Blog Talk Radio. everybody and welcome once again to Violet Reiki Radio. I'm your host Rose Jimenez. I'm a Reiki master teacher, Shihan, and each week, thanks to the founders of the Seika Network, I bring to you this show Violet Reiki Radio where we discuss all things surrounding Reiki and things that would have been of interest to the founder of Reiki, Mikao Sui, who was interested in many, 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 many things, from religion to martial arts to sociology to metaphysics, you name it, he wanted to know about it. So, we discuss all these things and Reiki and the roots, discovery, practice, and more. Reiki is a universal life force energy. It is an intelligent energy of love and wholeness. It understands the cause of problems and what healing is necessary. Reiki energy has a wisdom of its own, healing and balancing all aspects of a person's mind, body, emotions, and spirit. Reiki is a blessing, spontaneously conferred sacred potential for healing protection, personal, and spiritual development. The number here in studio, if you'd like to call in this evening and chat with my guest, Lorinda Weatherall, and I, or if you have questions for either Lorinda or myself, um, just dial 347-677-0699. Now, my guest this evening is Lorinda Weatherall. She is a Reiki master, teacher, and author. And Lorinda's first class was back in October of 1994. She became a Western Reiki master in the Takata Shiki Reiki style. 
in August 1996. Lorinda has continued to grow and learn more about Reiki since this time. The style Komio Reiki Kai was studied with founder Hayakoten Inamoto in 2012. The style Jikiden Reiki was started in 2007 and was continued by studying with founder Tadao Yamaguchi in 2009. Lorinda has found a deep wealth of knowledge in studying various Japanese Reiki styles and continues to offer Reiki classes and shares with clients. And Lorinda also is the owner and founder of, I believe, Komio Barry, Komio Reiki Barry. But we will have her explain that to you and correct me in just a moment. Um, also, Lorinda has written a book, and it is called Integrated Integrative Healing. Merging with Modern Medicine, and we'll have Lauren to discuss that with us when she comes on. I just want to make one quick announcement. Um, I want you all to know, if you don't hear me each week talk about it, I'm going to talk about it again. <laughs> I have a page on Facebook known as Reiki Wards. And you can just type in Reiki Ward in the search bar on Facebook or Reiki Ward page, and it will come up. And Reiki Ward was established almost three years ago to provide distance Reiki healing for humans and animals all over the world. So all you would do is put your request in on Reiki Ward and whatever problem you'd like us to send Reiki to. And we will get to it ASAP. You just post your request the same way you would uh, post on anybody else's wall, on a friend's wall, or on another page. Please do not email us your requests. Um, we use them via post. It's much easier for us to handle. Um, so Reiki Ward does two to three rounds of healing every day at a minimum. And once we have started working on your request, we take that request and we place it on our healing crystal grid for 24-7 energy work and healing. So if you'd like to know more about Reiki Ward or if you have any questions regarding Reiki or if you'd like to know what services Violet Rose Reiki provides, uh, what we're up to, we're always up to something new and innovative, uh, Give me a shout out at rose at violetrosereiki.com. Please visit my website, which is violetrosereiki.com. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Tumblr, Google Plus, you name it, I'm there. Um, and now, just want to give you guys a heads up the website for my guest, Lorinda Weatherall, is www.h wreiki.com and if you have any questions if you have any questions call tonight ask her live and in person 347-677-0699 if you can't do that and you're listening to this uh, from the archive and you missed this live show you can write to Lorinda at queries q-u-e-r-i-e-s at i-h-w Reiki.com. So, 
I think we've got all the news out there. Without further ado, let's get to my wonderful guest and friend, Lorinda Weatherall. Hello, Rose and all fellow listeners. How are you this evening? Hello, Lorinda. How are you? I am doing very well, thank you. Thanks for coming by again. Oh, you're most welcome. I'm most grateful for the uh, invitation. I love having you on. Oh, and, <laughs> <laughs> and so how is the book doing? It's been a well, while since I, that, right? Yeah, yeah. I just checked the stats before I came online, and so far um, we're up to 331 copies sold worldwide. Wow, that's not too shabby. Not too shabby for a little girl in a small town. Yeah. Yeah. And since we're talking about your small town, I I know I messed it up. What is it? Comeo Barry? It's Comeo Reiki Kai Barry. Anyway, I turned it inside out. (laughs) Yeah, but it's all good. It's all good. (laughs) It's Comeo Reiki Kai Barry. Okay. Yeah, that's that's my uh, Facebook page. Okay, get that in the chat room. I love it. It's just me here. Not big enough to have a (laughs) co-host. That's all right. Now, you are working um, as of late with Reiki and hospice, right? Yes, I have been offering Reiki through my local hospice here in Barrie for about the last eight years, I would say. And um, it is quite the wonderful, enriching, and amazing experience, I must say. Now, I know you're not doing a controlled study, quote, quote. No. But um, I'd like you to tell us a little bit about what you see and what you find as far as Reiki having some kind of a um, effect on the people there at hospice who are being treated with Reiki. Sure. Uh, that's easy. Um, way back when I was first, uh, let me go back and start at page one. I'm already on page 12. Um, the hospice house that I am working out of actually started as a residential building three years ago. So up until that time, there was a small group called Circle of Friends who would go to various individuals' homes and they would gather and talk about their life-challenging illnesses and then they'd have tea and coffee and they would talk amongst themselves about whatever challenges that was going on and they would also um, have complimentary therapists come and do a variety of services once a week. So that was awesome. And when residents opened, the stipulation was due to either the board of directors wanted this done or it was the um, executive director wanted this done. They wanted the complimentary therapist to have their own um, liability insurance. And because the other volunteers were basically volunteers, they didn't want to have to put out money in order to volunteer their services. So they all melted away, so to speak. I was the only one who was able to continue to offer my services because I, uh, I have a private practice and or professional right. practice, and so I had to have liability insurance, and that's why I was able to get into the residence. Um, so that's a long story. So initially, people were nervous about what Reiki was all about, and over the years, 
I have been able to um, assuage some of those fears simply because people see me every week, so there is consistency. I don't normally take holidays when I when I'm going to my Reiki sessions, so unless I'm sick, I'm normally there uh, 52 weeks of the year. Um, so <laughs> I, ha- what I have happens- to say this though, Lorinda. I know you and I share birthdays, but we share yes. the same work ethic. If I'm alive yes. and breathing and not ill, I will I will conduct a session or conduct a class. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, most definitely. It's like yeah. you a team of wild horses has to keep me away and then when it does it feels like part of my heart gets broken every time it happens. It's just crazy. I, I feel so bad when I have to call in. But some of my success stories have been, I had a lady who was a volunteer. She was working in the kitchen. She was having almost like plantar fasciitis or Achilles tendon kind of issues happening in her one foot. And I saw her hobbling a little bit. And I said to her, you know, are you okay? Can I help? Whatever. And she said, well... I'm not feeling the greatest, and I'm not overly familiar with Reiki, so I've got some time. Yeah, sure, what the heck. I'll come in and sit down in your recliner chair and and see what happens. So the way that we have Reiki set up at our hospice, the individual gets a half an hour of free Reiki, and they get to sit in a nice, dim, quiet room with nice music playing and all of that goodness. And after her half hour, she said she felt more relaxed, which was wonderful. And she got up and she sort of moved her foot around and she said, it doesn't feel too bad. And then she got up and walked out and said, yeah, it doesn't feel too bad. So the next week when I came to offer Reiki to other people, and this lady could have had more if she had chosen to, she said that the pain was gone for three days. Oh, cool. So... So that was really, really amazing for me because a lot of times I don't get immediate feedback like that. Um, right. Some of the residents who come into hospice, they're, it sounds bad, but it's not bad. They're there one week and they're not there the next. So right. I don't get that feedback from them. So mm-hmm. when I work on the staff and when I work on other volunteers and stuff like that, I will get some feedback and it's amazing. It's uh, it's very rewarding, as I've said. Yeah, I think it's great. I've had people walk out of here who, like, the one session uh, is good enough. And like I tell people, you know, depending on the severity of the issue you're coming to see me for, it you know, one session might do it if it's just, you know, new or light or what have you. And then, again, after we have your treatment today, we have to see if more is needed, but uh, I had one girl get off the table and she was amazed because the pain in her knee was gone. She's like, now I can go out dancing. I'm like, well, don't dance your way out of here, okay? Just, just baby steps, okay? Yeah. Don't <laughs> overdo think, it, honey. <laughs> yeah, it's like, let's thank God there's no more pain, but don't try and put the pain back in there now. And, um, That's right. had another girl walk out of here uh, last week. She had pain going from her hip left hip down to the ankle. The whole left leg was, you know, basically in pain. And so and she got off the table. She's like, wow, you know, it's gone. I'm like, good, but gentle, gentle, you know, like ease back into your normal life. Don't, don't go out and like, you know, go do tap dancing or whatever. So That's right. No, it, no flash, flash dance for you, honey. Just stop it. 
Yeah, yeah, no, no river dance, no, none of those dances. <laughs> no, 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 exactly. Yeah, it's amazing to see how fast it works and how it works with a lot of people. It is, and the amazing thing, too, with working in hospices, it is a stressful situation for most people when they are there. Um, they're out of their normal routine. Their loved one is not, you know, is in between living, dying, in pain, out of pain, there's guilt involved because how come I can't take care of my loved one at home? So all these ideas and thoughts are going through people's heads, especially if the, the caregivers are there two months or longer because they just have all these emotions going through them. And so an individual was told by a friend some time ago, go and have Reiki done. And he, yeah, 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 sure, sure, I'll do that eventually down the road, whatever. So he happened to be in hospice, and his loved one was there. And so I was doing my rounds in the residence, which is 10 beds when it's full. Sometimes mm -hmm. they're all full. Sometimes there are only three beds. So it varies from day to day, week to week. Anyway, this gentleman was there, and he finally thought, oh, what the heck? The time may be right. So he came in. Yes, I could use some stress reduction and relaxation. So he came in. He sat in my recliner. We chit-chatted for a couple of minutes. I started, as I do with most of my um, my clients, I put my hands, rested his, my hands gently on the top of their head after they have signed the informed consent release form for hospice, I might add. And then I moved my way from his head, front to another position on his head, went and did his shoulders behind his neck, and he just sat there, and as he sat there, he started to breathe a little deeper, which we all know is a wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. And he was breathing so nicely and evenly and gently, and then I moved to the torso, and then I moved to the knees, and then I did the feet. And by the time I got down to the feet, he was already asleep, which is, as we know, the Reiki slumber can happen for people. Right. When I, when I gently touched his arm and restored him back to the uh, the living, breathing world here, um, he said, that was amazing. And I said, what was amazing? And he said, I could literally feel as you put your hands on the various places on my body, the tension leaving and draining out through my feet. Wow. And he said, that was just the most phenomenal thing that he had ever experienced. And he was actually going to go back to his friend who had told him years ago, go and get Reiki done and say, thank you for mentioning it to me because it was a phenomenal experience. Wonderful. I thought so too. I remember years ago, um, my husband had bought me a gift certificate for massage. And I always would go and have a massage done. But by a female therapist, never had a male, you know, mm -hmm. massage therapist. <laughs> this was down to the wire, and my certificate was about to expire, and they said, we only have a male therapist available. And I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, 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 well, hmm, okay, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so mm -hmm. I, I took the appointment, and this guy was so good. I passed out. I just fell asleep, and I felt so bad when I woke up and the massage was over with. I said to him, I'm sorry that I fell asleep on you, and he, I never forget his comment to me. It was, mm -hmm. oh, no, that was the deepest compliment you could have given me 
because mm-hmm. it means I, I put you where you needed to be. That's the mm-hmm. end result to get you that relaxed mm-hmm. that you fall asleep. And, you know, now I'm doing the Reiki and, well, you would believe how many people fall out on my table. You know, they're mm-hmm. snoring, their mouth's wide open, you're like, oh, they're gone. Mm-hmm. And, again, that to me is like, yeah, that's the ultimate compliment. Total relaxation, yeah. And I will say that to people. The fact that I am a total stranger and you have been able to relax and rest and and trust me enough to fall asleep, even if it's for 20 minutes, is a, a huge compliment. Right. And totally. compliments aside, it's like it's, it's validation that we did the job and, and it's done and, yeah, it, it took effect. Or the Reiki, yeah. you know. Yeah. No, so, it's absolutely amazing. Absolutely. It's more and more validation and confirmation for me, I know, on a daily basis that this is the bomb. I mean, years ago mm-hmm. when I started, that's what got me. Uh, and we're going to touch a little bit on how you got started with Reiki. But I know with mm-hmm. me it was... Um, Back pain, back pain, something's got to help this. And I went for the Reiki, and it helped me tremendously to the point where I was able to shovel my own property uh, 100 by 100 in the front when it snowed, which I never could have done prior to the Reiki. So to me, when I saw that I did that, I said, I can't believe I did that. And then I stopped myself and said, well, wait a minute, I didn't do that. Reiki did that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and from that point forward, the whole reason I got into doing Reiki as far as giving people sessions and teaching it was that I came away with this whole attitude of the world has got to know about this. I've got to tell everybody I can about mm-hmm. it, and I've got to be able to teach this to people. The world mm-hmm. needs Reiki. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's oh, how. yeah. Yeah. So, oh, and yeah. How, did you, how did you come into it? Oh, um, my history isn't as exciting as your history. Um, <laughs> my, <laughs> it's true. My husband was um, working in a factory, and he was having sore feet. So he stood on concrete for 10, 12 hours a day and, and that heavy slogging kind of stuff in construction boots, steel-toe construction boots, played havoc on his feet and on his back. So I had one of our younger children was in playgroup and a lady showed up and was talking about reflexology and I was thinking that that was more like massage. But now that I'm a little wiser, I know that reflexology isn't massage on the feet, but it, at time I thought it had been. And so what I did was as I came home with her business card and I said, here, you need to go see this lady so that maybe she can help your feet. So he did. He went and saw her for a number of months, and towards the fall, he came home with a flyer and said, she's given me this, but I'm not interested. You might be. So I went, all right. So I looked at it, and this was this lady was advertising her level one Reiki class. So I thought, well, hmm, it sounds interesting. I'm not sure what it is. It seems a little spooky and, and whatnot, but I'll give it a go. And so I got my my care package from my first Reiki teacher and I read Fran Brown's book from 
cover to cover and I read all the other bits of information that my teacher shared with me and I thought, okay, I guess I'm sort of ready, maybe, sort of, somewhat. So I went <laughs> and I had butterflies in my stomach because I didn't know what to expect and uh, this was her first class that she had taught from being coming a Reiki master and her sister was also a Reiki master so the two of them co-taught this eight-person class. Oh, I and like it. That was cool so far. So we were doing things in class. We did the Reiki circle, so we put our hands on each other's shoulders and saw what kind of energy we had without an attunement. And then she talked to us a bit about Reiki, and then she gave us, started giving us attunements. And she did two in the morning, and then we stopped for lunch. And when she stopped for lunch, everybody fell apart. Her sister was also, her. she had two sisters, so one was teaching and one was a beginner student like I was. Her That sister had to go outside and hug a tree. She felt so ungrounded. We had two nurses who were there. One had to sleep for an hour and a half. I was crying. There was other people who had other things going on. So she's looking at her other older sister who's co-teaching the class going, what in the heck have we done to these poor people? Why are they reacting this way? Oh and, my you know, God. we regrouped after the fact, and then she gave us the other two attunements, and then we continued on with the class. And my, my, she had, I was working on her knees, and one knee felt normal, and the other knee felt like it was empty. And I thought that was very, very strange. I'm thinking, what's going on with the knee? And oh. I said to her, do you have anything going on with your knees? And she said, yeah, I had had cancer in my one knee, and I have a plastic replacement. The empty knee. Hmm. The empty <laughs> knee. And I went, oh, cool. And then she looked at me, and she said, you're going to be teaching this. And I went, no, yeah. no, I don't think so. I, I have no need, want, desire to teach this. Level one is good. I'm quite happy to be a basic student. I have no, I'm not, I'm done. I'm, I, you won't see me again. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah is right. The universe <laughs> obviously had other plans for me. Chuckle, chuckle, chuckle. And uh, so within six months, I did my level two. And then within a year, I was completed my mastership within 18 months. <laughs> I know. <laughs> because it gets all of us. I mean, it's like, uh-huh. yeah. Because when I was younger, I would go to have like astrology charts done and like tarot readings. And I never forget, like, at least three people told me, and this was in my early 20s, and they're like, you know, you have, you should be or you will be a teacher. And I'm uh-huh. like, I don't think uh-huh. so. <laughs> I, mean, I know. I was I know done he... school, and I was working in the legal profession, and I'm like, I don't think I'm going to be a teacher. And thinking about, you know, regular teachers, yeah. uh, later on in life, before I took Reiki, I kept saying, I knew then what I know now. These people work 185 days a year. They get the summer off, and yeah, I should have done the teacher thing. And... So now because of Reiki, what am I? I'm a teacher. Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's how that works. Oh, it's, it's very funny. Like, yeah, my whole, my life has done a complete 180 from where I was as a, as an individual and my thought processes and my behaviors and attitudes 
since I became a Reiki practitioner. And I know that that probably doesn't happen to any everybody, but I know that it may happen to some folks. And that's a really strange thing to say to people. You know, when you come to this class, you are who you are, but when you leave this class, you're going to be somebody different. You're it's somebody almost like, okay, totally what different. are you... Yeah, what are you going to do, turn me into a toad? You know? Yeah, and it's but. almost, it's like we really, I mean, we think we do, and I'm sure that our ego is part and parcel of it, but we think we chose Reiki, but I think how it goes is Reiki chooses us. Oh, yeah. And that big oh, yeah. Reiki arm just comes out from the universe and says, yes, you, it is now time. Here you go, Reiki yeah. level one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you weren't in conflict before you did your level one class, you're going to be in conflict after that. Let me tell you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so that was my beginning way back in 94. Uh-huh. Interesting beginning. Mm-hmm. Like, very much so. A lot of us have very interesting beginnings. Now, you touched on reflexology. I know I always thought reflexology was kind of a massage. Then I thought it's kind of like acupressure. How would you how would you define it? Oh, reflex. I'm not a reflexologist. I did think about studying it at one time and becoming one. However, mm-hmm. um, my thumbs wanted to every now and then give me arthritis kind of aches and pains, mm-hmm. and so I thought if I'm going to be using my thumbs that religiously to have clients and have to do those 60 case hours of case study, I don't know if my thumbs could hold up to that kind of intensity. So that's right. why I didn't that's why I didn't pursue it. But for me reflexology, the organs are represented in your feet, they're represented in your hands, they're represented in your ears and they you can also do face reflexology. Mhm. So the organs and meridians are all connected through the various parts in your body. And you, I had a girlfriend who was working on a lady who was pregnant. The baby was wanted to present itself as breech. She came for a reflexology session with the consent of the mother. They worked on those reflexes on the sides of the ankles, and the baby turned. So the lady was able to to uh, deliver her baby head down instead of bum first. Wonderful. I know. Yeah, I I love I love going for reflexology. I think it's great. And uh, but I never really could put it in a category. It's like yeah, it kind of feels like massage. Then it kind of feels like acupressure. I really don't know. No, so, it's true. I yeah. had one lady who was used me as a case study, and she thought she was pressing lightly on my feet, and I thought she was pressing lightly on my feet until she had finished. And then when I tried to walk on my feet, I couldn't walk on my feet for three days. I had to walk on my tippy toes. Really? Yep. And she felt so bad, she phoned her instructor and said, what did I do to this woman? <laughs> She's a friend, not an enemy. <laughs> oh, God. And her nurse instructor said, don't worry about it. You did not do anything wrong. It was just the the level, possible level of toxic crystals that I had in my feet that were all stuck and stagnant in there. Yeah, sometimes it's not the therapist or the person. It's what's going on in the body. And, you mm-hmm. know, when you break stuff up, uh, mm-hmm. sometimes it's not as good as, 
you know, yes, you're healing, but sometimes the physical symptoms are worse. Mm-hmm. I know when I when I used to go to chiropractor, this was years ago. Now I've, I've been, you know, been treated by a chiropractor for 25 years. But in the beginning, oh, dear God, I used to go in. I mean, I was in excruciating pain. My back was killing me. I'd go in to see my chiropractor. I'd come out, and I looked like I had just gotten hit by an 18-wheeler. Everybody tried to climb into the car to go home. And my husband's looking at me like, what happened to you? And I'm like, that's okay. I'll be, I'll be fine tomorrow. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you're paying for this to look like this. Okay. Are you crazy? <laughs> yeah, you pay this person to do this to you? Yes, yeah, I yeah. Do this. I'm going to feel great tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I look like crap right now, but I'll be perfect tomorrow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, what else is going on with you, Lorinda? What else is going on with me? Well, I am, I am, um, getting ready. To, I am getting ready. To, oh, I know. I'm getting ready to um, gathering all my eggs into one basket, so to speak, because I have been blessed. One of your guests who was on a number of weeks ago, Nikki Ward, she oh. is co-hosting with. Jackie Ramsey in uh, mm-hmm. in Ottawa, the Mid-Atlantic Reiki Conference, and that is Saturday, May the 2nd, in Mississauga, Ontario, Canada, and it is going to be not quite a duplicate or a clone of the event that they held last fall in Maryland, but it will be a close second representation where we will be talking about Reiki in healthcare facilities. Mari Hall is coming up. There's a whole bunch of wonderful speakers coming, and it's going to be an awesome, exciting, vibrant, truly vibrant day, because this, I think, is one of the first times that anything like this has really ever happened, as far as I'm aware of here in in Ontario. That's what was floating around in my mind. I don't know. It seems like everything is so much further ahead in the future until Mm -hmm. you get to right before it. Because I had, even when Nikki was on uh, Mm -hmm. the show here, I was saying, hopefully, I'll get to Mm -hmm. meet you guys. And, Mm -hmm. you know, at that point in time, May 2nd was so far away Mm -hmm. that, you know, I'm just lollygagging, not really worrying about it. And here it is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Two weeks away? It's coming up real quick, yeah. So I'm and starting to make my goodie bags that I have uh, des- designated for that event. And mm-hmm. so I was out shopping, getting some nice little goodies to put in the goodie bags for people. So, yeah, I'm starting to collect it all because I don't want to forget anything because I'm about an hour, a little more than an hour's drive away. So it's not like I can just turn around and come home in five and ten minutes pick up something and, and go back. Right. So I have to make sure that I have all my my kit together before I leave. Right, right. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. I get I get to come home after that event and then I get to go down to London, Ontario the next day for the breast show in town. And it is um it is a program where they're going to be talking about 
women in cancer or individuals in cancer and what you can do proactively for your health. And I will be a vendor there selling my book. So there's a whole bunch of other people that are going to be there. So it's going to be an awesome opportunity to uh, network and get the message out about integrative health care. That's nice. And then when, when is this in London? That is um, Sunday, the 3rd of May. Wow. So May is starting off as a busy month for you, my dear. Oh, you betcha. You betcha, well, you betcha. Good. But that's, that's okay. very good. Yeah. yeah I know. The, the snow is pretty much gone from here, so now I don't feel quite so bad about traveling. <laughs> oh, tell me about it. I know we were buried here on Long Island. I didn't want to go anywhere. And no. then uh, I got hit with a slew of appointments, and I couldn't go anywhere. And um, so now I'm hoping to spread my wings and get out and about a bit, but we'll see. Yay! But I am going to take a very brief break, and we'll be back speaking with Lorinda Weatherall. And again, if you guys have questions, the number here in the studio is 347-677-0699. Be back in a moment. You're listening to Violet Reiki Radio on the Seika Network through blogtalkradio.com with your host, Reiki Shihan Rose Jimenez, your source for all things Reiki in love, light, and healing. Hello, everybody. We are back. Thank you, Lorinda. I see you've been oh, in the welcome. you've been in the chat room. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> and question. Now you are practitioner of Komio, Reiki Kai, and also practitioner of Jikidin. Now I am. now that I have you in the hot seat here. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in trouble now, am I? Nah. Can, do you notice or can you speak of any differences between those two practices and how you find it? Because I'm a practitioner and she had an encomio, but I don't know, I've never practiced or really I know nothing about chicken. So I'd, I'd like to, 
you know, hear a little bit about it as opposed to what I know, the Comeo. Okay. Um, let me see. There is a story, quite a cool story to go with that one. Um, I had heard about Jinkidin Reiki and I had wanted to learn Jinkidin Reiki. I did not necessarily have the funds to go to Japan because at the time that was the only way I was going to learn it was to study with Tadao Yamaguchi in Japan. And so I thought, oh, well, you know, put that on the bucket list, as they say. Because I Tell didn't know. About it. <laughs> yes, I did not know when that was going to happen. So I'm working in one of the local health food stores where I am, and one day this young girl comes in at, with a with a senior lady as well. And so I thought, very nice, you know, a, a young girl's taking her grandmother out or whatever, or caregiver, they're out shopping, that's fine. So we happen to start talking because this young girl is very exuberant and she's very boisterous and she's very chatty. And I thought, wow, this is great. So I was bored. There was only the two of them in the store, so it was fine. So we started talking and then this young girl mentions that she's a Jinkidin practitioner and that her boyfriend is a student of Tadao Yamaguchi and that they are a, an item that they are going to get married and he will be returning back to Canada next year. And I went, oh my heavens, I have to keep in, I have to keep in touch with you. I, my, I was on the verge of tears because I couldn't believe my good fortune. Mm-hmm. So I had the ability to purchase the Light on the Origins of Reiki book that Tadao Yamaguchi wrote and that people can buy through Amazon or Indigo or whatever their favorite bookseller is. And I was able to get an idea of what Jinkidin Reiki was all about. And the reason why I liked that was because I was getting the Japanese cultural context without all the Western maybes, what-ifs, and add-ons. And for me, that was vitally important because by, as you know, by studying with Yakuten Sensei, he doesn't have that kind of added on material either, but he doesn't quite explore the Japanese cultural context in the same way that Tadao's book did, or book did. So that's, that was one thing. So when this young woman and her partner came back to Canada, he was on a mission to teach some people Jinkidin Reiki, and he, um, the woman's family, and myself, we were a class of five, we took a seminar. I, I did my Shodan seminar with this young man. And then they went away. They did their honeymoon. They went, traveled through Europe. They went to Japan for a bit, and then they came back to Canada. So the following year was my opportunity to learn my second level. And he taught one of the other ladies that I know here in town. She was very interested in lurking, learning uh, Jinkidan Reiki as well. So she learned her first level. I learned my second. And I found that by learning Jinkidan Reiki, it enriched my Reiki practice in general because I had even more firmer boundaries as to... not even, No, boundaries is a bad word. That sounds limiting. I had... Mm-hmm a deeper and richer understanding of how the Japanese view Reiki uh, because right. it is a Japanese Reiki style. So that was wonderful. So he went away and they've carried on with their life. And then I had the opportunity to connect with Gabrielle in Nova Scotia. And 
she is one of the Daishi hands or the senior teachers in Jinkidam Reiki in Halifax. And this other lady who I introduced Reiki, uh, Jinkidam Reiki to here in Barrie, um, she and I partnered up and we went to Halifax. And that's when I became a, an assistant teacher, or what they call a Shihan Kaku. And my friend became a second degree practitioner, so Okaden. Cool. Yeah. Very interesting. Now, there's no, there's no need. Well, I don't know. But is there a need for Jikiden students to take like a pilgrimage or a trip to Japan in order no. to get to a certain level? Or no? Okay. No, no, it's just I, a personal preference. Okay. So yeah, I see a lot of them are going to Japan, and I'm like, I wonder if that's a requirement. Not no, that I mind, no, no. but. <laughs> It's just a personal thing to uh-huh. go. Um, I know that they are have the. I'm still friends with a number of Jinkidan Reiki folks, and uh, they are having a major workshop next year in Japan, and they're going to be having. It's a worldwide congress, so all the various Jinkidan people are coming. Who can, if they, you know, they save all their loonies, toonies. $5 bills and whatnot, um, can go to the World Congress next year in 2016. Mm-hmm. See, I our friend Colin Powell, um, yeah. Reiki practitioner, not not um, cold politician or general. No. Uh, no. <laughs> yep. You have to make oh, that distinction. Oh, I'm telling you, you tell people I'm coming with Colin Powell, their eyes wide. No, not that Colin Powell, the other <laughs> Colin Powell. Um, I, I didn't get a chance to talk to him or even have him on the show to discuss, because he is a Jigadin, uh practitioner, because he's in the U.K., and it's hard for me to, you know, link up with um, people over in Europe, but I try. And uh, every once in a while, Violet Rose Reiki will be on at like 3 or 4 in the afternoon so we can have a European nice. guest on. But, uh, yeah, and I know he's been practicing chicken for a while. Yeah, he is also an assistant teacher, so he is the Sheehan Kaku. Him too. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. In, in that sense, like... With Tadao's book, there is a discussion towards the back as to the various degrees or levels of Jinkidan Reiki, which is okay. Um, they right. do talk about the Shihan Kaku status. For any of us who are of that status, we are allowed to teach level one students uh, using the Western vernacular. So Shodan students, we are allowed to teach them. Um, when we do our the rest of our teaching and fulfill the requirements to become a registered Shihan with the Japanese office, then we can teach levels one and two in the Western context. And then um, in order to create higher levels, the individual has to either become, my understanding is a Daishihan, so a senior teacher, and or the individual would have to study only with either um, Mr. Frank Arjeva Petter or um, Mr. Yamaguchi Sensei himself. So in order to get to the height of Shihan teaching, you'd have to either be certified or study with Frank or Tadell. Correct. Right? Okay. Correct. All right. 
Now, another question, getting back to hospice, what mm-hmm. do people who, who run these hospices have to say about Reiki and how it's being embraced and how it's working? And what are their thoughts on, on where this Reiki thing is going in hospice? Okay. Well, for you folks in the United States, you lucky souls, um, uh-huh. there seems to be more of an embracing or an embracement, a, a fond affection, let's say, for Reiki being in hospices. Um, Maybe not quite so much in the hospitals. Certain, some of the larger hospitals, most definitely indeed, um, there is is strong affiliation for. But in in Canada, because we have government health care system, it is a little trickier. Um, Most of the people who want to be, uh, to do Reiki, need to have double-blind uh, placebo-controlled, peer-reviewed studies that verify that Reiki actually does something. And, and this to, is just just to do it in hospice in Canada. This is for it to for the medical community in Canada to even want to give you a passing look to consider it. Yeah. Yeah, to even wow. consider it. Wow! Yeah. Wow! Wow! Yeah, like with hospice, it's okay because hospice is a, a facility where people go um, with a life-limiting illness. So it doesn't necessarily mean that it's cancer. It could be any life-limiting illness. And in that condition, we're not trying to cure. We are just trying to make the person have the remaining days that they have left to them in comfort, pain-free, and um, feeling like they're loved, respected, compassionately cared for, and they can go out, penis, and joy, basically. So that's right. the difference between the hospital setting and the hospice setting. Um, I've been trying to get a co- I know for a very strong fact that our local hospital has written a complementary therapies policy and I have gone to the ombudsman at our local hospital and asked her to get me a copy. And she has talked to three or four different people within the hospital facility. And they keep saying, oh, yes, we'll call Lorinda. We'll call Lorinda. Nobody's called. That's been two years. The one day wow. I showed up, they she phoned right then and there, the person that is in charge of this policy and she said the the person at the other end said we are actually having a meeting this afternoon we're to fine-tune it or tweak it or make it final policy I will call her this afternoon and that's been at least a year wow yeah so I know I have my friend Gabrielle who's in Halifax they have been able to set up something in one of the hospitals or two of the hospital facilities in Halifax. And she's had next to no problem. She's been able to, there's been a policy. The hospital has added their their requirements, how much training they, they want the practitioners to have, the number of hours they want the practitioner to be there for, um, the, the chain of command, so to speak, who to talk to when you come in, um, what you have to do while you're there, if you have to chart anything or tell the nurses your experience with that patient so that they can chart it for you, all those kinds of things have been done in certain facilities. So it's 
on an individual hospital basis. So that's the oh. frustrating part. Well, what about Reiki in hospitals in Canada? How's that going? Not very well at all. Okay, so not very it's, well. So it, it's part of an education process. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's also we have to try and get practitioners to find some kind of standard because with over a thousand different Reiki schools out there in the marketplace, trying to get consensus out of a thousand people is not going to be easy because everybody thinks that what they do is vitally important and if they miss a step it's not either A, going to work or it's not going to be as effective or that's not how they were taught or whatever whatever argument they want to put forward. Whereas we need to find some common ground and move forward with that because that's another thing. Um, oh, what are the guys? Uh, Krillin and one of the other gentlemen who was talking about, he wrote a book about professional and professionalism and ethics in complementary therapies. That's what they said. Even there was some articles in Europe, in the UK, saying that one of the biggest flaws with complementary therapies is that we're all backstabbing each other and fighting over terms and fighting over this and that. If we could merge together as a cohesive unit, then um, we might stand a chance in in getting things moving forward. See, that's the funny thing, and I'm noticing that more and more about Reiki as of late. I'm not really happy about it. But right. um, there seems to be a battle of egos among all of the forerunning or, or the more famous Reiki practitioners out there. And you look at this and you say, could you all really just put your egos aside and mm-hmm. work with one another so mm-hmm. that the, you know, the modality that we all love and hold so dear and near to our hearts Mm-hmm. can progress because mm-hmm. saying mine is better, mine has more power, mine has more intensity, this is how it really is. Mm-hmm. It's just creating division between the people who practice and teach Reiki rather than putting forth a united front for the progress of the, not only of the modality, and of the, the the method of Reiki, but what it can do for the world on a whole. Mm-hmm. So, well, I mean, it would be the same with all the complementary therapies. You have the various schools of yoga, who mm-hmm. will have are fractured, and it's the the old rule of divide and conquer. As long as everybody is so concerned about their little four by four patch of ground. They're not going to work together with anybody else because we don't trust each other. And by not trusting each other, we are ineffective. So we're basically shooting ourselves in the foot. Exactly. Now, uh, a couple of weeks back, I had Dr. Uh, Sheldon Mark Feldman on the show. He's Mm -hmm. the uh, chief of the uh, breast cancer surgery over at Columbia Presbyterian. And... It, well, Lorenza, you're the meat in the middle of the sandwich here. Uh, we had, <laughs> <laughs> we had, uh, or the cheese, whatever. Um, we had Dr. Feldman on a couple of weeks ago, and next week I'm having Raven Keys on. And very cool. Yeah, and they had come together and they had something last week, I believe it was over at Columbia. Yes, 
and it went very well from what I hear. And hey. Raven, Raven had posted something about it, it was filmed, and oh, hopefully, we'll get, yeah, we'll get a little bit more information on how we can all view the film. And I saw another post from Raven. She says that Dr. Feldman just found out that she's training medical Reiki masters to go into the OR. Now this is great. I know you got to get your you have to get your butt in there because I need to know about this. Actually, uh, there was a lady who she trained in Canada, and I've sent her an email, and I don't think I've heard back from her yet. Yeah, let me see if I can. Let me see. Let me see. Heather, I can't even pronounce her last name. Balasair. Yes. Belsalor. I don't. I'm not even going to go there. I'm so sorry, Heather, if you hear this. <laughs> But it's B-E-S-E-L-A-E-R-E. And she is the first medical Reiki master in Canada. Yes, so and I want to talk to her. You got to talk to her. And, yeah. Um, yeah, and I think this is wonderful because the more medical Reiki masters, they don't even have to be Reiki masters in my opinion, just practitioners, but this is the route Raven's going here. The more we have people in the ORs and the hospitals, the more we can then infiltrate the hospitals and get this out there. I think it's great. I think what what Dr. Feldman is doing and what Raven is doing and what they are doing for Reiki together, it's amazing. And yes. I totally want to support them in this and, you know, get on board because we're really – somebody had posted on Raven's Wall the other day, the time is now, and it really is. This is the time. Yes, I agree. And we're coming into, you know, Reiki's coming into its own right now. And you know how sometimes the universe will shine that that golden ring, that brass ring, they'll shine it. And if you don't grab it, then, you know, I think think it's time for grabbing that brass ring. I think so, too. Yeah. I I truly do. I mean, I know that um, when I was at a Reiki and hospital workshop in, I think it was 2012, there was a discussion saying that hospitals were going to start being fined they, if they released a patient too soon. And so some of their funding would be in jeopardy because they had put their client at risk by, or their patient at risk by, by discharging them too soon. And so hospitals now are struggling because they're all trying to to make get money together. They are starting to listen to their populations and saying, "Okay, what would you like us to have in order to make your experience better here?" And that's why complementary therapies are starting to be offered more and more within um, some of the medical hospitals, uh, 299, in fact, hospitals are offering mm-hmm. complementary therapies in one state or another. Right. Well, it, yeah, it, it went from, you know, uh, a couple of days and then it was like they want a 24-hour turnaround no matter what kind of procedure you had and you had the procedure and they dropped you out on the sidewalk. That's just not a good practice. Yes. No, so. because they were finding that people were having challenges and coming right back in. Exactly. That was almost like a revolving door. Well, that's That's when they started putting, and I'm not saying that they still don't do it to a certain extent, but when they started putting the almighty dollar before people, Mm -hmm. um, it just made no sense. You know, a hospital really 
can't operate like a corporation. And who's to say that corporations that operate solely on dollars and cents are doing the right thing as well? Because, you know, we're humans and uh, we all have to look out for each other. Exactly. Otherwise, what's the point? Um, My dear, time flies when I chat with you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, I know. I gotta find a way to see you again at some point. I miss you. I haven't oh. seen you in three years. I know. Um, well, if you can make it to the New York retreat in August, I'm coming down, honey. You know, I'm not and even I- going to say it, but yeah, I really, really, really want to make it to that retreat because it'd be like yep. old home week. So yeah, yep, I'd be. You are coming down in August, so that's good. I am coming down in August, and I'm bringing a lady from Japan with me. Oh, nice. Yep. Very nice. So, yeah, we're going to have to make the Reiki retreat. Yeah. Put that on my calendar. I just say I want to go, but, uh, (laughs) you know, if it's not one thing, it's another. If it's not because I'm busy, I don't have the funds. If I have the funds, I'm too busy. It's crazy. That's right. right. But... (laughs) That's what makes the world go round. And I thank you again for being on the show with me. I'm sure this is not the last. We love having you on. I love being and here. Keep up the great work, Lorinda. And uh, I will do my best. keep in touch. And uh, are you thinking about writing another book? Is it rummaging around in your head, maybe? Oh, there is one rummaging around. Um, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't quite figured out the direction it's going, but yeah, yeah, the this, the creative juices are in there. Let me tell you. I love it. All right, no great. Thank you so much, sweetheart. Have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you soon. All right, Rose. Thank you very kindly, and thank you to your listener listeners. Sorry for tuning in. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Have a great weekend in love, light, and healing.